This week, peripheral sales are on the decline. Xbox is back on the rise. Prenda Law is on the prowl. And Justin Roiland is on his way out. It's Sunday, January 29th, 2023. And this is episode 640 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology. Proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, or YouTube, where you can join the community and get ad-free versions of F5 Live and PilchPoint, or on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are uh, two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. You can always go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live presents, and a whole lot more. And you'll find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Be a little housekeeping before we get into it. If you watch any of our CES content, you'll know that uh, we've got some new podcasting 2.0 stuff uh, on the horizon. Blueberry's just launched a whole bunch of stuff we're super excited about. Um, we're working on implementing it here in the studio. Uh, it will be uh, coming, hopefully, in the next couple of episodes. You'll be able to listen live if you want. You'll also be able to... Um, to do all the other interesting podcasting 2.0 things with the with the, the the paid comments and the whole oh it's all coming. Um, Todd just did a great presentation uh, this weekend at the podcast conference over in Orlando. Uh, very excited about all of it. And speaking of CES, Plug Hits Live Presents has a ton of content already um, and has a lot more coming. I don't. You're not going to believe this, Avram. Our schedule was so full this year. Unbelievably I your full. Was pretty full. Yeah, I'm so glad. Uh, we had a couple of like weird times, um, but generally, I think we did at least a hundred live interviews. And then, from what I can wow. tell, what I can tell, there's another thirty or forty from the floor. It's it's big. We did we did a lot this year, and it was really exciting. I I'm so sad that I did not I get know. to go to CES this year. Uh, not just because I didn't get to see you and uh, the crew, uh, although that's the biggest reason I'm sad, but the it seems like there was a lot of like really neat stuff. Uh, it, there definitely it seemed like it was a real CES again. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, you know, we had, uh, for Tom's Hardware, had two people there. Um, and so I was on, you know, working a lot even though i wasn't there i would was putting up a lot of articles based on what they did they would go yes. to events and they'd be real busy and i'd call call our people on the phone i'd say like what did you just see oh yeah go, what did you think of it okay i'm gonna write that um so it uh yeah i mean it seemed like there was just so much interesting stuff what do you think was yeah. the most interesting thing that you saw at ces 
so that's an interesting question. Um, so first, yes, agreed. Felt like a regular CES. Even Robbie from Benji Lock, uh, he was on. He's like, we're back. Like the last year was a trial run. <laughs> we're back. This feels right. And before before the show, uh, we did the TPN pre-show um, in December and. Marlo, we always ask the question, you and I do it too, right? Do you, do we think this is going to be evolutionary or revolutionary? And Marlo um, from the Tech Ranch said, I think it's going to be revolutionary. And he was not wrong. Um, so for me, uh, the thing that I thought was most interesting was the standards. There were a number of interesting standards that um that showed up there was um so there's chi 2 which is uh an evolution you know it's not a it's not a a breaking change it's a, a an enhancement on on the chi standard including uh magnetic charger like uh like magsafe for the iPhone which i thought was pretty cool um there was trying to remember the name of the company. Wi-Fi 7. Yeah. Yep. Wi-Fi 7. You know, the stuff that the HDMI Alliance is doing. There was this standard for um, ceiling mounted things um, that replaces, you know, random silver box with screws and wire nuts um, that basically makes it safe and easy for anybody to swap out their fixtures and basically all of the construction uh, alliances in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Um, have said, we're in, this is it. Uh, so basically yeah, all you, new you construction... Yeah, you need a new house to be built, though. Yeah. Right, basically all new construction is going to have this, but you can also easily retrofit. Um, if you're... You can have an electrician do it, or if you're handy yourself... It's you take the wire nuts out, you do the wire nuts, you put the four screws onto that silver box, and now you can snap things in. Um, it's it was a really cool, uh, really cool standard. And then I'm trying to remember the name of it right now because you know sometimes I have the the memory span of a guppy. Uh, uh, oh, Volt Safe. So Volt Safe is an outlet standard change um it's three concentric circles um and it's magnetic and so basically all the outlets can spin we spend money now to get outlets they can spin it it, it's all built in it's a really cool standard it's got all the safety things that you would expect from from uh you know power like this basically they've taken what we loved about um uh, the Aftershocks headphones and their chargers and just made it more powerful. Yeah. It's it's really slick, um, easy retrofit on that, and uh, they're working with the construction groups um, to talk about uh, uh, future implementation. It's super cool. They're working with... Um, they, they've got a plan. I said, Here, here's what I see as a timeline. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you've 100% got it. <laughs> That's our timeline. I'm like... You've got your adapters. Next, you've got to work with the cable manufacturers. Uh, 
get me an, a regular like computer cable, a Mickey Mouse cable, a figure eight cable, a flathead cable. They're like, yep, that's hmm. that's in works now. I said then you, you can buy get... it right now. Yeah. You can buy a volt safe magnetic plug extension cord for block heaters. I'm not really sure what that does. It seems like for something inside your car. But uh Amazon yeah. has it. Okay. Well, and so so you know, if you can get your regular computer cable, a Mickey Mouse cable, a figure eight, kind of your standard uh, plugs. Mm -hmm. That's a great next step. And then they want to get the manufacturers to start uh, offering it as an option in the package. And then they'll be good to go. So, I mean, anytime you do a standard change, there's challenges. But I think this one's worth it. It's really cool. It's I, I had it in my hand. Um, you know, you kick the cable. You don't have to worry about pulling your computer off the off the desk, you know, the, the things that are nice about, you know, MagSafe mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but uh, on the wall, it's pretty cool. Uh, we gave it, for Plunkets Live, we gave it our um, pick of the show. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, in the hardware, PC hardware space, I don't know if there's anything that was, like, groundbreaking. We saw things that were, like, iteratively faster. And a video card the size of a semi-truck. Oh, uh, I mean, the video <laughs> cards just get bigger and bigger, right? But I mean, I think I think the thing that we saw was, you know, look, I mean, new CPUs from Intel and AMD, nothing, which was fully expected. Uh, some actual PCIe five SSDs being shown, uh, that's nice. But uh, you know, I, I mean. And of course, everybody using AI as a buzzword for everything, uh, even when it's even when what they're saying is AI is really more along the lines of uh, just good computer function. You yeah. know, uh, seems the AI is a buzzword that people use for any time computers do anything at all. Um, yeah. Even when they make decisions based on very simple programmed logic, they're calling yeah. it AI. Uh, Right. So like one of the, I forget which company it was, but we've seen a couple of these that are like, yes, this, you know, this, our software has AI in it. And what was the software was like, how, what the fan configuration was for a gaming laptop. Like mm -hmm. it, it knows whether you like it uh, quiet or, or uh, cool. And it decides like, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? that, that, right? that sounds like pretty simple flick of the switch logic. Yeah. Also, you would probably just want to decide yourself anyway. So I don't know if that's really like, like doing you any big favors. Right. You know, there's, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was a busy show for us, but it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say anything was groundbreaking, but it was nice to see the show was back. Yeah. Uh, you know, is back uh, and things are happening. Um, also, I think last time we talked, it wasn't, we hadn't even been uh, Christmas or New Year's uh, yet. Correct. So, uh, I'll show you my new toys that I got for Christmas. Nice. Uh, so, these are my new keycaps. Uh, these are drop, drop.com dasher uh, keycaps. They're SA, or actually technically MT style keycaps. They're meant to look like the old Data General terminal keycaps. Yeah. Um, so I really I love these. 
Oh, fantastic. I, I love the the accent coloring where it's like yeah, so they're dark and light like that. And I, dark I and light that. blue, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's and, really nice. And it's a great pairing of colors. Yeah, it is. I mean, but you know, they didn't come up with this. This is from this is going back to this is meant these are meant to look retro. In yeah. fact, uh, if you have seen the show Severance on Apple TV, um, or if any of our audience have seen the show Severance on Apple TV, these are the keycaps they have on the show. Oh yeah, they yes. I mean, I think they may have the original original, but they have terminals that look like the old Data General terminals. Maybe they are on gotcha. the show with a trackball on the side of them, and they have these keycaps. So um, yeah, it's so uh, so that's pretty cool. so. Yeah, uh, you know that that's been a like, and they're much yeah. they're more comfortable to type on. So I really dig them. Nice. And then I got you and your uh, keycaps. I, I love I love yes. how into the keycaps you've gotten. Oh, I'm so into, but <laughs> I don't know if I could surpass these. But what I do now is like, what I want to do is like every month or two, uh, take the keycaps off, wash them, and then put a different pair on for a while. So. Uh, although it's hard, it will be hard to not have these because I was actually typing better. The feel of these, are, it's not just aesthetic. The feel, of, like I had some nice SA keycaps before this, that, mm -hmm. but these are so nice. These are MT brand. Oh, but um, the other thing I got was this thing, which I'm still learning how to program, which is the Inky, the Pimeroni Inky Frame 5.7. It uh, is a color e ink uh, device. Oh. with a Raspberry Pi uh, Pico W uh, that powers it. So right now I have it showing a picture, but you could have it like showing all kinds of stuff and changing periodically, and it has Wi-Fi. But you see how it's not plugged in and it's still showing yeah. a picture because it's e-ink. So I like put a family picture on it, and uh, you know I could I could change that. The other thing that you can do with it, although the 5.7-inch model is a little big for this, is it has this hole and you can use it as a badge. Sure. So you can wear it with a lanyard or whatever. So you know. it look ironically, it looks almost exactly the size of a CS badge. A little <laughs> yeah. So you you could use it for that. I that was originally what I wanted it for, but now I'm like, it's a little big. There's a four inch version that you can get. I might get the four inch version. So I have that as a badge. Uh, I mean the thing is, you could put your badge on it, right? You could put whatever information. If you don't want to change it all day, you don't need a battery. You right. know, you could just wear it, right? Yeah. Um, so, and uh, so if you had, if the barcode was was detailed enough, you can even go get lunch. With <laughs> yeah. Oh, so uh, Pimeroni also makes one called the Badger. That is like three point something inches. That is black and white, not color, and that's much cheaper. It's like fifteen bucks. This one is like eighty, ninety bucks, uh, and um, and that is you know very specifically made to be a badge. It comes with a lanyard or whatever, and uh, you could wear you could wear that around. Although I like the idea of wearing of color ink and wearing color one. Uh, although this is so nice, I kind of don't want to wear it. I'm just using it right now for family picture, but. What I want to do is actually, you could program it in Circuit Python and Python, MicroPython or whatever. I kind of want to plot to program it to do, um, to like show stats or whatever periodically, like update itself with, um, 
you know, with uh, maybe how much traffic my website is getting yeah. or, or things like that. Maybe I'll get the daily traffic and then I'll just wear that as a badge and wear it around <laughs> my office so people know what how we're doing. Like, hey, look, we're doing really well. Look, right here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that so that's uh, so that so that's that's kind of fun. Those are my like main uh, main holiday gifts this year. Uh, so it. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It was a uh, fun CES. I got some fun, fun new toys and a uh, lot to talk about. Yes, for sure. Uh, before I forget, uh, Sky X was the the standard name that I was trying to come up with um, for the ceiling cool. stuff. I so you'll know, and anybody who's ever been in the the sand slash slash Venetian Expo Center. Uh, on the second floor, there's a big glass barrier that looks over the the escalators. It was covered in the logo, like wrapped all the way around. How I could have possibly forgotten. I had to walk past it to get to and from the studio all the time. The fact that I forgot that name is <laughs> surprising. Anyway, that's the standard for the, the ceiling mount stuff. But anyway. All right. Well, we've got a lot to get down to tonight. Uh, but as a reminder, if you are watching us on uh, Twitter or Facebook, the free ride is over. you got to come join us over on YouTube or uh, Twitch. Uh, follow us to f5live.tv slash join us. And uh, we'll see you over there for the rest of you. Let's get down to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, Xbox, games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. Remember, current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% off almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Well, just about two years ago, uh, three years ago, I mean, uh, he, you and I had a conversation I guess, you know, April, I think, of 2020, we had a conversation about how uh, peripherals for computers were starting to become difficult to find. It was the beginning of the pandemic, the beginning, well, the beginning of what we knew to be the pandemic. Turns out it started way earlier than we thought, but it was the, be the beginning of what we believed to be the pandemic. Um, and there were lockdowns and all of us started working from home. So companies were buying computers and computers have notoriously bad webcams. And so they were buying webcams. And you'll remember the Logitech C920 could not be found anywhere. Anytime yep. one showed up in a GameStop, we got an alert. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a C920. Um, right. Well, it's been a couple of years now and that, uh, that boom has ended uh we saw 
some reports out of the PC uh, companies that shows historically low PC sales uh, for the, the previous quarter. And now we've seen Logitech uh, put out their quarterly uh, earnings for the last quarter, which is their quarter three that ended in December, which is wildly confusing. I hate it when that happens. Um, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, their, their Q3 that ended at the end of December, um, they were down 22% year over year, which was already low from 21. Um, and the biggest, the biggest hit category was webcams, 49% uh, decrease in sales. And, you know, I see all this analysis. Well, well, why? Well, because webcams don't wear out. I, I've got you could to... say the same for almost everything. But I mean, so keyboards and mice do have, they're touched, right? They do have a failure right. rate. Computers yes, it will take a long time. It it does. Oh, I mean, I've I've killed some in gaming. You kill them surprisingly quickly sometimes. But um, but you know th those are theoretically consumables, right? A webcam sits and stays mostly untouched, which explains why the webcam category is a fifty percent cut. Everybody bought one. Right. Why do you need another one? Exactly. You, I mean, but you could you could also make that argument. I mean, like, for example, laptops and desktops. I was looking this up the other day, what the replacement life is, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't find the, the replacement cycle for lap, the latest numbers on replacement cycle for laptops, which I would love to have. Mm -hmm. But I saw one on, I think, Statista, what is this, Statista? Yeah. Or whatever that claims that. It's the normal life cycle. The normal average life cycle for a desktop is like five and a half years, and now it's going up to more like seven and a half years or something. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you have something that works well enough, most people aren't going to replace it just to replace it, right. unless there's some compelling new use case. But right. so we had something that didn't work well enough, which were the built-in laptop webcams. They weren't very right. good. Right. For most in most cases, we're not very good. So people said, hey, we need something a little better uh, when we're working at home. They got it. Uh, the shortages kind of went away and now they have it. So, yeah, I mean, now we could wonder if let's say another. I mean, I don't imagine this happening because there's just so little appetite for people to do it, even if let's say a new pandemic happened that wasn't mm -hmm. COVID and like people were really convinced that you need to stay inside. Like I, it, it's hard to see it happening, but, but let's just pr pretend that it did happen and people had to stay home again for six months or something like that. Um, would we see people buying more webcams then, or I'm not even sure because I think they bought them the last time. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, every time it's, there's a major snowstorm, there are a whole bunch of people who go out and buy snow shovels. So you have to wonder, didn't they have a snow shovel from the last snowstorm? Right. Uh, true. So, right. Like you would think that they would have already had it. You'll, I uh, mean, but you're, you're always going to have moving loss, right? Right. There, there'll be some of that. Um, with snow shovels, you know, maybe it's people moving 
into a snow area from a place that wasn't or into a house from an apartment or, you know, the, at least there I can come up with a couple, not a big, <laughs> it's not gonna, you know, it's not going to be a giant annual number, but I can come up with some use cases. All I can I come mean, up I, with I could... with webcams is moving loss or, you know, the dog ate it. Well, or, you know, people joined the workforce that weren't in it before, although sure, I'm not true. sure that that's a ton of people in the last right. couple of years, but, you know, maybe there's, I don't know. But we're also starting to see better quality webcams on laptops. Yeah, That's true. been something that we've seen. Uh, laptops going to 1080p. Also uh, potentially a result of, of COVID. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's a result. I'm sure it's a result of it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm sure. I mean, but, you know, to be fair, they should have done this before. Like, the, people yeah. have been doing web conferencing a long time. The fact that people were in lockdown is not the like, only reason to do it. Like, even if you were working in an office, you still do video calls with people. Therefore, you still need a good webcam. Yep. And the quality of webcams had not been very good. And we, But I should also point out, in the case of Logitech, that their level of innovation on webcams is not good. Right? They, yeah. they, are, uh, they have not... Uh, they are not the, like, they are the well-known, they're the big name in webcams, right. and they've got, like, a good, in the case of, like, the C920 series, which mm -hmm. includes, like, the C922 and all those, they've got probably a good mainstream webcam, mm -hmm. but their high-end, like, with the 4K or whatever, is not as good as yeah. other high-end. Like, yeah. they have, I think, their, their, they have, their last... A 4K webcam is the Brio. Mm -hmm. The Brio is not is not the best 4K webcam, and they came out with this several years ago. So they're not innovating. Meanwhile, yeah. perhaps because they started working on this stuff during the pandemic, Dell has a couple of really fantastic uh, webcams. They've got a 4K and a 2K uh, that are really good that have come out in the last uh, couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, now we're also seeing Razer uh, has announced... Had had one thing and they announced another. I love uh, they I have love the my Razer Keo Pro, right? Yeah. Uh, so Razer's been innovating now. Maybe Razer's targeting a slightly different group than Logitech, although Logitech could be targeting that group, which is streamers, because there's people uh, who are going to step up. Especially yeah. how Logitech has screwed this one up is beyond me, because they bought Blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fairness, they bought. Mevo as well, the camera that I'm talking to you on right now, Logitech yeah. now owns, <laughs> which is a super solid camera and can be used as a webcam, but it is $400 and it's not, you know, what, yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly what it's for. It's for streaming, yeah. right? Um, they've bought all this streaming stuff and yet they seem to have forgotten that webcams can be great streaming accessories. Razer knows it. How Logitech screwed that one up? They were they were the name in webcams, and somehow they seem to have tripped over themselves trying to give away the lead. I think that they're having met with them a bunch. My sense of Logitech is that they have like a corporate, a different kind of like their structure doesn't necessarily put them in a like they've got a gaming group, mm -hmm. and then I think web I don't think webcams are really part of the gaming group. And then they've got like the productivity group, which makes things like this wonderful Logitech, uh, like this wonderful Logitech MX Master uh, 3S mouse that I love. Um, and 
so they have those so they have those groups and they haven't so they've got like oh here's a gaming group to try to appeal to to cool yeah. young people or whatever and then here's our like stodgy group that is doing like webcams i think and they haven't re- really figured i don't know they haven't really figured out how to put it all together whereas like razor they're 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 not really going for office people There's yeah no they know who they are use their keo um dell i mean it's, i don't know if dell's like, popular the streamers it's like it's like microsoft when the the updated office came out with the ribbon bar and every team had to build it themselves there wasn't like a unified component they had to keep rebuilding for word and excel and powerpoint everybody built right. the control they didn't there's no talking between yeah i think i think i think they need to you know to rethink a little bit but uh, but anyway i'm not surprised i mean we've seen uh we also saw some uh negative reports from microsoft this week uh, mm-hmm. Showing that Windows OEM uh, prices, Windows OEM sales, uh, which are tied to new PCs, uh, dropped. So there's there's a lot go, you know. But look, I mean, the nature of economic cycles is uh, the nature of, I guess, the market, right? Of investors is they want to see growth, and they don't really think very much about why past growth occurred. So right. like, it's not that like. Oh man, people don't like PCs anymore. People don't need, like peripherals anymore. It's it's right. people are you know all sitting on their iPads or something. No, uh, the, what happened is we had an event that caused a spike in sales, and now people who bought stuff in 2020 or 2021 are not as excited to buy the same stuff in 2022 and 2023. Right. So those sales potentially talking? would have been leveled out across across right. several so the, years. Webcams there was an unnatural spike. Yeah, I mean the web the webcams who knows, but the but but sales of PCs and other stuff of mm-hmm. related stuff like peripherals and monitors, like yeah, of course it's going to like yeah. if you bought it, you're not going to buy it again so so soon. Right. Uh, even the if, only even the only I, exception is you know corporations that do it on leases. Right. Leases might be coming right. up in a couple of months. So in, in a couple of quarters, we might see so you know three year uh, leases right. end and and PC uh, new PC shipments go up because of that. But you know outside of that, yeah, for the most part, there's not a whole lot of reason for companies and individuals to be doing big upgrades yeah i mean i think if the industry wants to i don't know first of all they need to be realistic about what sales mean but they need to either create as you know something where the innovation is so it's such a big leap that you need the new hardware to do it yeah that you need new hardware to do it or you need to find new people you need to find new people to get computers who don't have one yeah. so uh which you know I don't know. I think a lot of people have PCs right now, but you might, you know, they're, they're, one interesting thing that they might do, and you know what? It's kind of interesting because I saw a little of this at CES actually, uh, is maybe 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 the industry would like children to have PCs more uh, because, you know, it has, 
I think that you're not, you don't like my son, we built him one when he was like turned 10. Um, but you, you know, I think probably, and I don't have the statistics for this, probably in the house and the home, probably kids, kids maybe getting Chromebooks from school and things like that, mm -hmm. but you probably don't have a lot of younger kids with gaming PCs. So the question is, you know, what age do you want them to get gaming PCs? Could, could, you know, could you try to, I don't know, push it to younger ages or whatever. We did see something a little bit interesting at uh, CES this year where one company, I think it was, was it Cooler Master or Thermal Take? Uh, one company was actually, or somebody else was actually selling like kid friendly PC cases. They had like little monsters on, like little cute monsters on them, like a friendly looking Frankenstein or whatever. Nice. Uh, and so like kids could sort of build their first PC with it. Sure. Uh, so maybe that's something, you know, maybe that's a way of, I don't know, growing the market. But on the other hand, prices are still very high. I don't know a lot of people who want to spend, you know, thousands of dollars uh, on their kid's PC. I mean, maybe the best case scenario is you have a parent who builds PCs and they're like, okay, kid, you can have my old graphics card and I'm going to get a 4090. Um, you know, maybe it's something like that. But um, anyway, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe pushing more members of the family to have a computer would help. I don't know if they can really do that, but, right. um, but it's, it's tough. You've got a very saturated you got a very saturated market that is just on a massive refresh. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is what it is. The, the, in my book, the analysis is easy. There was an unnatural spike, and that, that took what would have been level sales and pushed a lot of them over here, and now we're going to be low for a while. At some point, it'll, it'll pick back up, but... We just compressed it all like a mountain in, into right. one short time period. There's only so much ground. We pushed some of it into the air. We created a mountain. Now the rest of the ground had to go somewhere, and down's the only option. So yeah, it, it mean, doesn't seem like a complicated analysis to me. And everybody's like, well, I don't, I don't understand how it's happening. It's like, ha how? How do you not understand? This seems pretty straightforward to me. It, it's very, yeah, but, you know, people just want to see and think that growth is endless and growth should just continue mm -hmm. with unabated uh, without, and, and, you know, and I feel very badly for the, for all the folks that we're seeing be laid off as a result of this. And yeah. We saw massive layoffs at Microsoft and I think Intel and some other places, Google, you Facebook. know, um, Amazon. Right, and it's all like, oh, tech is bad now. No, what happened is they saw a surge. They hired more people. Now they're not happy with the amount that they're spending, so because they're seeing a decline. Never mind the fact that a lot of these companies, despite the fact they saw a decline, are still profitable. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, everybody expects uh, more and more and more profit, which may not be sustainable. You know, endless growth is not sustainable. But you have companies that are doing like i would think that if you are making more money than you're spending you're doing pretty okay and what Especially i saw right is now. microsoft microsoft is still turning quite a profit mm -hmm. they just are down 
from what they were doing. So yeah. like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like the expectations of investors, the media and everybody is part of what drives this thing. It's like, oh man, you've got to lay people off now because you're not as profitable. Well, what do you expect? And you know, once one company about? does it, it's a domino yeah, then effect. It becomes a, then it becomes a domino effect and then they're creating a real problem as opposed to like, why can't we just live with the fact that like you're not going to have the same, like, if they're making more money than they're spending, then they're not running out of money. Like we should be happy that the company that we, companies we invested in are, 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 are revenue positive. Yeah. You know, they're or, doing or, the thing. They're, they're doing the thing. Like it's not, oh, not every quarter is going to be the best quarter. Right. It just, it can't be. Yep. Totally agree. Um, it's, it's unfortunate the the situation that's been created, but you know, I think I think they'll get their their heads together at some point. We'll we'll level out kind of across the industry. Fingers crossed, I guess. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. You can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. I just realized that's not PureVPN's logo anymore. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, just updated it. It's purple now. Anyway, um, oh, cool. Yeah, it's actually a really, really good update. I normally don't like like big branding updates, but this one was good. Anyway, not the point. Yep. Let's talk about AI. Oh, I don't know if I feel intelligent enough to discuss it. Um, so. This is uh, the last few months have been a uh, we've seen a big um, big developments in the availability of AI, particularly generative AI that can create uh, text and images. And uh, I'm sure a lot of folks have heard of ChatGPT, uh, which is a free. Well, it's not free if you want to use it in use it a lot, but it's free to, to try out uh, bot that you can use to write things for you. You can ask it to questions and it'll answer you in kind of plain language uh, and, and or you can ask it to write an article for you. Uh, and that has led to a lot of uh, interesting questions and problems. Uh, which I've written about, but I, I've, first of all, let me actually share my screen and show you ChatGPT, which I hope will be working when I try it. Okay, here we go. Why would it not be working? Because sometimes it gets overwhelmed with all the traffic. Uh, so I'm going to ask it to write an article about something. Let's let's see what I'm going to ask it to write an article about. Something we really know. Write an article about. Uh, well, I asked it before, should I do how to build a PC? Eh. Uh, how to set up a Raspberry Pi. 
let's see. Let's see if it get. Let's see how well it does. So you can see it, it only takes a few seconds. It's uh, it's pretty quick, and uh, and we'll and it it really looks like you know once we get this done, it's going to look really pretty convincing. Uh, in fact, I should I should note that um, one thing that a couple things that have happened. Uh, recently since we've last talked are that a couple of major publishers have tried out not chat gpt itself but other ai software uh, cnet uh and the parent company of cnet red ventures uh tried out uh chat tried out uh some have been testing ai generated articles uh since november and their articles were about personal finance and they got um, some very negative press because they didn't disclose it right away and then uh not only were they uh you know kind of caught doing it but they were caught with some very serious factual errors even though they said that they were fact checking everything that the ais wrote uh, for example one thing one article said it was about um, getting interest on a CD, uh, and it said that if you have um, a ten thousand dollars in the bank and you're getting three uh, percent, you have a C a three percent CD. Then at the end of the year, you will have earned ten thousand three hundred dollars. Earned ten thousand three hundred dollars. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, you know there were just a bunch of there was there were other errors about things like how much compound interest was and stuff like that. Uh, so I, you know, so they had to kind of backpedal a little bit, but an issue, I guess, what you call a non-apology. They said, "Well, we're gonna." To, to pause for now, but we'll be back with AI because we think it's really innovative and really helps readers. Uh, and then uh, BuzzFeed announced a few days ago that they're going to be using AI for some some things, uh, not necessarily for news. And um, you know, Google has apparently there have been a whole bunch of stories about how Google is very concerned about how AI is going to make search their search engine uh obsolete uh and uh being in the journalism biz a lot of my colleagues now are freaking out about being replaced by ai bots um, they're worried that companies are going to do what red ventures did and they're just going to say like ah you know we don't need these writers we can just uh get ais to do it uh, never mind the fact that the chat GPT was not that 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 the AI made lots of mistakes that they didn't catch uh, at Red Ventures. So I went out and I tried chat GPT and I asked it to do something. I asked it how to build a PC and it gave me an answer that was very convincing, but uh, had some problem. But when you dug into it, if you actually followed the advice, you'd end up breaking your CPU. 
So now let's take a look at the let's take a look at the advice that it just gave me on how to set up a Raspberry Pi. See now, one first thing you'll notice is this is grammatically correct. It looks like if I were to take this and hand it in, uh, someone would might not immediately be able to tell that it was written by an AI. In fact, schools are really concerned about this because it's being used for uh, kids to cheat and hand in their essays. Not necessarily good quality essays, uh, but they look, they could look competent. And, you know, everybody expects that this is going to get better and better. But let's take a look at, at, at what we got here. So setting up a Raspberry Pi can seem daunting at first, but the right tools, a little bit of knowledge, it's a relatively straightforward process. Okay, I guess. By the if, way, if you before, ask her... Before you get too yeah. far, the first thing I notice, and I've noticed this because I've done a lot of experimenting with various other uh, AI generating content, um, that intro paragraph is repeated Sounds almost very word familiar. for word at the end. But it's almost exactly the same at the end. You're right. You're right. The, the summary. But also the little bit daunting thing, I seem to have gotten that almost every time I ask it how to do something. Gotcha. So, um, oh, one thing, by the way, that was uh, found with the CNET articles, I've written a whole series of this, of uh, there's this person, someone, uh, there's a site futurism.com that has been kind of tracking this AI uh, controversy. And they found that the CNET AI, which is not chat GPT, but some, something else that, they may have invented themselves or licensed, uh, apparently plagiarized a whole bunch of stuff. Like it took sentences and just changed a few words that were found on other articles and on the web and just changed a few words of them from them and, and put them in. By the way, we I think believe we talked oh, about this like, a while ago. Like a middle schooler. Yes. I believe we talked about this a while ago. And there's there's a really interesting question, which is these AIs all learn from someone. Right, they all learn from a human, human-generated articles. So, depending on how much they change it, is a real question of whether it's plagiarism or not. But one thing they, you know, what they're doing is basically they're ripping off the work of people. Now, you could argue that people rip off the work of other people. So, I don't know. Anyway, so we'll we'll just talk about this a little bit. First, you'll need to purchase Raspberry Pi. Okay, you'll need a computer. Okay. Um, they could have said here, micro SD card reader, uh, and, and HDMI cable to connect the Raspberry Pi to, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. They don't, yeah, I but mean, that's at least, leave out. at least an HDMI cable, uh, HDMI cable is an error. I see a lot from humans too. So yes, yes, that's true. Uh, they don't mention what kind of power supply you would need. I mean, so a lot of times what I found with. Uh, ChatGPT is it will give you information but leave out key details like like oh well actually you you know this is the kind of power supply you need format the micro SD card well yeah actually not really you don't actually this step is actually not correct at all um, you I mean maybe at one point this was something people were doing uh, but generally speaking what they use now is they use either uh, they probably use Raspberry Pi Imager or they use another imaging software uh, and they just download the image file and write it to the card. They don't format the card. There's no need to do that. There's no help from doing that. 
download and install the operating system. Uh, okay, first of all, it's not called Raspbian anymore. For the last two years, it's been called Raspberry Pi OS. Also, doesn't tell you where to download it. Uh, oh, and once the download is complete, you'll use software such as Raspberry Pi Imager. Uh, yeah, you could do that, but Raspberry Pi Imager has the downloading process built into it, and that's how you're supposed to do it. So also, wait a second. Okay, so once the operating system is installed, you can insert the microSD card into the Pi, make sure the card is inserted with the metal connectors facing up. Label. Okay, I guess. This may depend on which Pi you're using. Connect, it's time to connect the Pi to your monitor TV and the power supply. Once on connection chain, plug in the power supply, be prompted to set up your language and keyboard. Oh, but you didn't mention that you might need a keyboard and mouse. <laughs> I mean, maybe that should be assumed, but they didn't mention it. Configure well, now you're they also they also don't say what we're setting this up for. You don't yeah, I mean, I you guess... don't find out until like step seven that we're setting this up to be used as a desktop. Or I guess it's six. Yeah. Now I can start. This can include installing the software, changing. Okay. But like, yeah. So it, it, so like, there's a lot. The thing that I get out of this is that most of this looks right. It looks right, even if it's actually some de serious details are wrong. But it's also so broad that it's not very useful, right? Like, okay. Sure. Like if you've already done this task, like if you're me and you've already done this a million times, you might look at it and be like, oh, okay, I could follow these instructions because I already know what to do. But, you know, this is just like with the CPU uh, question, the um, how to build a PC uh, uh, question that I asked it, where one of the steps was uh, insert your um, CPU by pressing it down until you hear it click. Um, well, it didn't mention to like raise the tension bar. It just said, position your CPU correctly and press it down until you hear it snap into place. Well, CPUs yeah. don't necessarily, you don't necessarily hear a snap. Yeah. And oftentimes if you do, something has gone wrong. You don't necessarily want yes. to hear a snap with a processor. Yeah, and they didn't say like, oh, and first you've got to like align the little triangle, golden triangle on the processor to, uh, you know, to the triangle on the on the uh, on the socket. They didn't say you have to li lift a tension bar on the socket. Also, they didn't mention that newer sockets actually uh, newer sockets actually have the pins in the socket and the holes in the CPU. Although, to be fair to ChatGPT, it was made in twenty twenty one, so. There wasn't as much of that going on as now. But anyway, point point being that point being that we are, you know, that there's just key details missing. So, you know, will the details will it get better? Maybe, probably. But the thing is, AIs now look, there's a good possibility that some people some people in the writing business will lose their jobs because there will be companies that are willing to cut corners and think it's okay. I also want to say, we don't know how Google is going to react to all of this. Google has, well, Google's officials, like in other words, is Google going to list AI generated content in search? 
Google itself has an AI. I think the biggest danger to publishers, and this is a very big danger, is if Google decides they don't need to give search engine results anymore because they're just going to give AI results. Like, if I can use an AI on my site, why would Google link to me? Why doesn't Google just use its own AI? It's yeah. got AIs. Uh, use its own AI. to. So if I go to Google right now, there are some some things that you'll search that you get the answer box, which is when Google gives you like, you know, pulls some quote out of context from a website and says, oh, here's your answer. And that's above the first result. Uh, and that alone has been uh, a real mixed bag for publishers because a lot of the time people don't click on the link in it because they're like, oh, thanks. You gave me my information now. I don't need to click your link. And so Google got free content. But the ultimate free content for Google would be if they just have an AI that spits out uh, spits out results, doesn't give people links to anything, except maybe in the footnotes to say, like, here's where we got this information, uh, but gives people a very detailed uh, result. People might just say, oh, okay, that's good enough. I'm on Google. I got what I needed. And uh, that would put a lot of publishers out of business. Eventually, it would become a really serious problem because then publishers would start to say, uh, who remain would start to say, well, we've got to put everything behind a paywall or something so we don't have Google uh, indexing it because Google's going to be, you know, AIs are going to be stealing the learning from our work uh, and then putting it up. Uh, and then we're going to get no get nothing from it. So that's a, that's a real danger. But there's the other thing, which is that Google says that it is looking for to prioritize expertise, experience, expertise, authority, and trust. And AI has none of those things. It has no experiences, no expertise, no authority, and no trust. Even a smarter AI than the chat GPT that, that got all the details right would not have any of those things. And AI does not have human experiences. And AI does not go out and conduct interviews. And AI does not uh, have get exclusives. And AI does not find the scoop. And AI does not explain why something is important to them because they tried it. You know, now, can an AI do the things that content farmers do now? Quite, quite likely. Um, but, you know, the question is, how, you know, will, will, the, will Google, uh, you know, bless that? I mean, I might. I, I tend to think that what what is going to matter in journalism and in, in writing is making sure you communicate to people that you had a human experience. I tried this. I did this. This worked for me. It's that's going to become more important than ever because generic language. This works. This happened. This whatever. Not going to do. Not going to do as well if everybody. If an AI can just do the same. You know, that's an interesting comment because um, we've internally, we've kind of generally had a, a policy of third person, right? And I think I'm officially putting an end to that right this second. I mean, I'm not, this is not to say that like you should never, you should use first person for everything, but well, no, yeah. You know, but I mean, I think there's definitely like we have talks at work a lot about like, when we're writing about experience that we had, like we use this mouse or whatever, 
we don't say like this mouse has like 8,000 DPI and therefore you can get, therefore it gives you, you know, uh, very fine movements. Like when we tested the 8,000 yeah. DPI sensor, we had very fine movements when we were doing this particular task. Like you, gr granted for some people, the AI that the, you know, generic stuff is going to be adequate for them. Mm -hmm. And Google says that it likes expertise and that it wants to prioritize human experiences, but we, we don't know if that's going to remain. I'm saying but that's today. I think, but that's today. I don't know. But what I do know is that uh, until they invent robots that can do, that can actually look and act like a human, like, like T, T-800 style robots, there's going to be issues with doing a lot of the jobs that humans do. They're not going to go to see like yeah. AIs are not going to go to CES and walk around the show floor and talk to people. And I've heard some people say things like, well, the AI could email interview questions to someone. Really? What person do you know is going to is going to write an email back to an AI that emailed it? Yeah. You're not going to talk to them, right? Yeah, no. That's and, and, and Gmail and Outlook are going to flag it as spam anyway. Right. Like you can now. AI is, by the way, ChatGPT and other uh, AIs are going to make phishing or making phishing emails much, much more dangerous. Yeah. Because you notice that a lot of phishing emails have grammatical errors and are and everybody gets the same one. They can very easily make unique and custom uh, phishing emails to send yeah. to people that look much more legit. Yeah. So that's and, a real know, that's a real danger. And you know the the AI, you know, one of one of the things that that um, that my former business partner on the the old software company Mark and I used to talk about was, you know, with self driving cars. Right? Everybody was like, "Well, I don't think they're ever going to be perfect." And Mark always said they don't have to be perfect; they just have to be as good as or better than a person, and chat GPT um, passed the bar exam in like seven states last week. That's better than a lot of people. Right? Like, like it's, um, it's, ab it's able to, to fake it, right? It has. Yes. But how many students are allowed to bring Google to bring a search engine with them into the bar exam room? I right. bet you a lot of people, uh, I bet you a lot of people could do that too if they were, um, if they were given, if they were able to think very quickly and, and access have full any access that was on the internet. Yeah, and have yeah. full access to the knowledge of humanity. Exactly. Um, but what I'm saying is, it it has gotten advanced enough to fool people, to fool systems, to fool you know, institutions, um, which just going into the, the danger zone that you were talking about with, with phishing emails and stuff like that, the fact that it's able to even uh, trick or, you know, fool institutions like like the bar in several states is, is another level of danger. Yeah, it it is it is very dangerous we are going to need better ways of of finding of credentialing mm -hmm. uh, humans right 
we are we are absolutely going to need better ways of credentialing humans uh, than than we have now. So that those are those are serious concerns, and I think people I think you know my colleagues who are concerned about the impact on like the future journalism they should be concerned. But at the same time, like if it's happening, if if companies are replacing humans with these AIs, uh, they're what they're really showing is that they don't really value the content. Uh, and mm-hmm. because, and especially if you look at what happened with CNET, like they missed major, major problems with the facts. Now they said that they had humans reading this and that the humans were responsible for catching it. But here's where I, and I, I, I believe that they had a human look at it. Um, although it's hard, we don't really know to what extent and what human it was, but Here's something to keep in mind that I, I talk about that I've talked about with my friends and family over the last few weeks since it's come out. You cannot have just anybody read, edit, or fact check an article. Like you, if you take me and you give me an article that was written by an AI about a topic that I don't know anything about, then I'm not going to catch the most serious. I'm going to check the grammar but I may not catch the most serious logical problems in it because I don't know what I'm looking for, right? So if you take someone who doesn't know anything about finance and you give them finance articles to, to read, I mean, they earned $10,300. They probably shouldn't have, you should have caught that. But it was really one word, earned versus you would have or whatever. But some of the other things they had about like compound interest and how mortgages work and think and how car payments work or whatever, like if you if you didn't normally write about that stuff, you might not catch those things. If I gave you this Raspberry Pi article and you never uh, work with a Raspberry Pi, you wouldn't know that like, okay, Raspbian is actually not what we call it anymore. Or or like, you know, you might not catch the fact that it says you need an SD card reader and an SD card reader is different than a micro SD card reader. If you've never worked with, with memory cards, maybe you don't know that there's a difference. So like, you need someone who knows what they're doing to read it at a certain point if you can't trust the facts then having a robot or do it is actually less helpful than having a part like if you need a person to spend a lot of time rewriting that and fixing that and catching that then you might as well just have the person write it like that's i mean that's how it is with writers if i hire a freelance writer and i find lots of factual errors in their work I'm not going to work with that person again. Yeah, I could keep spend a lot of time catching their errors, but if I spend more time rewriting it than it would, if I spend about as much time rewriting it as it would have taken me to write it myself, then then I don't want to work with that person again. So why would... Yeah, because it's actually that, detrimental. It's not helpful at that point. Right. So if, if the AIs have to have... So like if you have to have a good human backstop for the AI, then you don't need the AI. Then the AI is not good enough. Right. And if it's good enough, so, so like, you know, the, wh- when will you get to the point where it's good enough? It's, just, I feel like the same thing about self driving cars, right? For a long time, we said, and it's still the case, right, with self driving cars. So now we have self driving cars in a very few locations. I think there's like one in San Francisco now where you can get like a cab at night. And then there's like pizza delivery in some town in Texas. And then I think Arizona has one small area where you can get, a car, a cab, 
and there's like a six month wait to get it just to try it out. But all of those things are backstopped by people watching it constantly, whether they're actually behind the wheel or they're remote at a terminal. So if you need a, a huge human backstop because you can't trust the, the product, like what good is it? Yeah. And you know, another great example of that going back to CES is the, the loop, um, which is the, the boring companies, you know, hole in the ground with Tesla's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, part of the drive is automated and part of the drive is not. <laughs> There's a guy in the driver's seat who backs out of the space and drives through the busy part of the terminal whoop, that gets to the tunnel. And when he gets to the tunnel, the car goes, got it. And like the speed changes. It's like being on a roller coaster. It's the top of the hill. And you're like, oh, here it goes. Woo. Um, you, like, you know, when it, steals control from the driver. And I'm only saying he, cause I wrote it twice and it was a male driver both times. Um, <laughs> there were female drivers too, but both of mine were male. Um, like you knew exactly when the computer took over, <laughs> you could feel it. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Uh, and when it, when it returned control, because once it comes out of the tunnel, whoa, you're back to the person and everything slows down and, <laughs> having to press yep. the, the accelerator so, and all those things. And so it was a really interesting experience because you got to experience, um, you got to experience the self-driving nature, which in reality is more like it's a small world because it's more of a defined track than anything, uh, in, in a cave, um, which Interesting, but you got to at least experience that, and it's not like it was going to get it wrong because if it went too far either way, it, the tires were going to hit the walls, and it can't climb. It's not magic. It was just going to keep going. But, um, but yeah. So it was interesting to see both, and I didn't like the self-driving part of it. I I felt like I felt like there was a lack of. I don't know. Oversight? I don't know if that's the right word. C control right. isn't quite the right word, but so somewhere in there. I felt like, I, I don't know, it was weird. I, I didn't like it. I, I It was fun being in, you know, a tunnel under yeah. the convention center, but, you know, and it was way better it's... than walking. It was, a, it was a minute and a half to get from... Uh, uh, North Hall to the far end of the new West Hall. It's a 45-minute walk. It was a 90-second right. drive. Worth it even if there's people in the car. Don't care. That's right. Right. Worth, worth it. But, you know, it, they're just not there. None of this is there. And having the person in the car, why didn't they just drive through the tunnel? Why right, give control over to the computer? Case. It didn't change anything except the speed of the car. Right, right. To show you that they could. But yeah, true. To show you that they could. And that's great when it's a proof of concept. But this is, you know, so I mean, on the other on the other hand, what I think we are seeing is that AI, you know, that just has to work on the computer is much easier to execute than something like a self-driving car. Yeah. Uh, and 
maybe that means that like white collar jobs are going to be the ones that are more affected by AI than blue car blue collar ones uh-huh. because like it's much from my experience my I wouldn't say extensive experience but my experience learning about robotics and and like what it takes to to make like something that's like a human hand like to make something that can do the work of like assembling something or or you know moving stuff around and fine detail that's really difficult and expensive mm-hmm. yeah to much more difficult and expensive than using some cloud computing to generate text or an image yeah although i'll tell you we had a company on the show again this year the tactagon whose product actually allows you to program uh robotics by doing it once and then you're off and running which i, I mean was interesting but yeah that's yeah. but even then that's good <laughs> But retrofitting a whole factory and manufacturing process or whatever to do that, or like, let's say, you know, oh, it's McDonald's or whatever, and I need AI to do, I need AI to cook the burger and flip the burger and hand the burger and, and, and clean the floor. And do all, like, there's just so many little tasks that you would need to program it for that you would need yeah. to make it do. Like All these and, very and, deep, because what if they don't want pickle? Right. Oh, and it's, and hardware is expensive. Like hardware mm-hmm. like that is very expensive right now. Yeah. So I think automation of like those type of tasks, which a lot of people have thought is, oh yeah, that's what, that's going to be replaced by a computer, might actually be more coming later than automation of yeah. like knowledge tasks because there's no hardware involved. It's very mm-hmm. easy to replace. But nevertheless, my point with all of this is, it's not there, and it's not there. It's never going to be able to have human experiences, mm-hmm. uh, which and so ultimately, it's always going to, you know, for things that are regurgitated and things that are, you know, a commodity not commodity knowledge, it might it might very well replace some some humans, but it's not going to have. Ultimately, it's got to draw on the work of real humans uh, to right. have any value. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I actually heard a segment from a political commentator this week who made the same point that it's not it's not blue collar workers that need to be worried. It's it's the middle management. It's the they're, they're the people who are seemingly being automated away uh, already, and and it's only gonna gonna go from there. Now I know you wrote about this at least once so far, right? Yes. So, yes, we have an article on Tom's Hardware called uh, I Asked ChatGPT How to Build a PC. It told me to break my CPU. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that went up last week and has a lot of comments and a lot of uh, got a lot of very thoughtful, really actually thoughtful comments about this. Nice. So, so I, uh, yeah, check it out. That's not always been the case. Yeah, most of them have been really thoughtful. That's awesome. I mean, they're, most of them, most it. of the comments have been really thoughtful. Some of them are like, "Oh, you don't know enough about AI." They always say that, but then, whatever sure. the topic is. But then there yeah. were others who were like, hey, it, "It can't be intelligent if it's not conscious. Consciousness is not intelligence, or whatever." Um, I was doing it. I won't get it just now, but I read some very interesting stories about whether or not general ai is coming anytime soon that is like ai that can think like a person um uh some of the experts say no time soon but anyway 
We had somebody uh, on at yeah. Collision a couple of years ago who claimed that they had AI that could think like a mosquito or something. I'm like, mm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Right. And right. part of it is we also don't understand how human, we don't fully understand how the human mind works anyway. Yeah. I don't think we know how the mosquito mind works either, which makes the claim a little strange, but whatever. It's all just bits and bites. Yeah, exactly. When you're a mosquito. <laughs> Digital mosquito for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, Abram, a fascinating topic, possibly my favorite we've ever done, and I definitely appreciate it. Um, I, I always love, like... The, the big thoughtful topics when we get into them. And this was yeah. definitely one of those. And I think a great way to uh, get back to the show. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely look forward to what we talk about next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by EXA. EXA brings the latest technology to gamers, offering the most immersive products for the ultimate gaming experience. They've compiled the best elements of cutting-edge ENC tech, the latest in Bluetooth 5.0 and 7.1 surround, plus extra features into their headsets so everyone can enjoy a sensational gaming experience. And they've got headsets for Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Plus, they won't break the bank. Learn more about the headsets that are available and any current promotions by going to f5live.tv slash exa. This week, Microsoft and uh, Bethesda had what they called the developer underscore direct. We will ignore the underscore for the rest of the uh, segment. Um, the event was... Um, a pre-recorded, um, hands-on with originally supposed to be four titles, but in the intro to the event, they scratched out the four and wrote five. Uh, the whole thing appeared to be done in a uh, design software, like a collaborative design software, which for an, a software engineer was a lot of fun to watch. But if you're not an engineer, you may not have recognized at all what the UI of the event uh, was based on. But so they ended up showing off five games. Um, there were two that stuck out to me. But more than that, what stuck out to me was I finally know who Xbox is. Um, I, I think everybody knows who N Nintendo is, right? Nintendo makes... Cutesy games with bright colors and happy music. Mario Brothers, Smash Brothers, Legend of Zelda. Very colorful games, oftentimes very upbeat music. Even, even the downbeat music is still generally happy sounding. Um, PlayStation? Third person open world games? Last of Us and... Uh, God of War, and all very similar. Um, 
They've got RPG elements to them, but they're mostly open world. You can follow the story or you can ditch it and go somewhere else. Microsoft has always eluded me, and I realized that that was the point. Um, Alante and I had a conversation the other night after the after the direct. Um, Microsoft is the diversity platform. There's a little bit of everything, including from first party studios. Um, there's you, you never quite know. Halo and Sea of Thieves, both both first party titles, very different games. Um, and this showcase probably illustrated it better than anything that I've seen from them. Because, you know, E3, here's some first-party titles, here's some third-party titles, here's a bunch of stuff. But I think this really illustrated it because there was racing, there was an FPS, there was a real-time strategy, there was whatever the hell Hi-Fi Rush is, I don't know that you can put that one in a box and like, that's the one that I kind of want to talk about. Yes. Minecraft legends. If you're a long time listener or viewer, you know, couldn't care about Minecraft. I have never been able to bring myself to care. Um, as many times as I've tried, um, the Minecraft AR game was kind of interesting for the like hour and a half. Microsoft let that one survive. Um, but Minecraft Legends, particularly the PvP, has sold me. It's Warcraft 2 with uh, randomized environments. Totally in. Wasn't expecting them to sell me on uh, Minecraft at this event. But we've seen Minecraft. The PvP was some new information. We've seen the Minecraft Legends... Hi-Fi Rush, though. This was the scratch out the four, and there's actually five games. It leaked a couple hours early, um, but most people skipped the leak because they wanted the surprise. And even if you saw the leak, there was no way of understanding it until the direct. It is... I don't know. It's a... (laughs) Bright and colorful, kind of 2.5D... Seemingly hand-drawn game that's a slasher game, but it's also a rhythm game. I, I'm in. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting it because the like hack and slash type game generally not my thing. Um, but I'm in on this thing. You can. Hear and feel the rhythm of the world. And so you you actually fight to the rhythm of the soundtrack. And the soundtrack changes based on how on rhythm you are. What? This is a wild game. And I cannot imagine any other place where this game would possibly have success other than Xbox. I can't see it on on Nintendo because it's too unique. I can't see it on PlayStation because I think it's out of their their target demo. It could have released only on PC, I suppose, but I think um, Sunset Overdrive proved 
that Xbox is the place for some weird stuff. Um, yeah, and I, sure. And I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think Xbox is the platform for people who, you know, maybe they would they are PC gamers and they want something they can use in the living room or they don't want to spend the money on an expensive gaming PC because uh, it has the the breadth of content that you get on mm-hmm. a gaming PC. And there's so much cross uh, compatibility because yeah. of Microsoft and the Xbox software built into Windows. So, um, And the yeah, fact that the I mean, Xbox they, operating system is based on Windows 10 slash 11. That helps too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, it. Sure, I'm I'm of a split mind about Minecraft Legends. My uh, my son is super excited about it because he's a big Minecraft player. Sure. Uh, we really enjoyed playing Minecraft Dungeons uh, Dungeons, which was another spinoff of Minecraft. Yeah. Um, that was the was that the one it, from Telltale? Uh, I think so. So. It, it, it has a like a very like it, it does play a lot like sort of a Lego game style game almost. Yeah, like that's you've the got one from sort of the third, the the third person, and you're walking through, and uh, we actually like we played that so much. Um, but Legends, the trailer I saw for it, and then the game I saw for it in the last like Minecraft uh, event they had, did not look very impressive to me. The graphics looked really bad. Uh, when when I in what I saw, to me, but you know I'm sure we'll end up getting it because he really wants it, and uh, and I'm curious to see to see how it is. So I'm sure we'll end up playing it, but I, I'm not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's supposed to be a tower defense game. I don't know. It so it feel it, it's a little more than tower defense, because. Um, I mean, I guess technically you could classify the original Warcraft and Warcraft 2 as tower defense games. Um, but it was it's it's kind of halfway between a standard tower defense and like, I don't know, League of Legends. Like it's it's kind kind of somewhere in the middle, um, which is kind of where work Warcraft and Warcraft 2 and I guess Warcraft 3, but I hated that game um, where those lived um, or Starcraft. Right, they're they're kind of in that that middle, build a base, more than. You know, build a base, build units, build secondary base. You know, a little more RTS than uh, than just straight tower defense, and that's what I'm excited about. Because Warcraft Two, one of my all time favorite games, and it's 180 years old and. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't <even> find hard- <laughs> you can't even find hardware to run it on. Although, uh, there's talk that Blizzard might have a new build that's able to run on modern PCs coming, which I'm super excited about. No, that's not proprietary information from anybody. That's rumblings I've heard in the industry. And if that's the case, huh, I'll own it day one. But... <laughs> They don't even have to update the graphics. Just allow it to run on a on a modern PC and not have it run at a fifteen hundred percent speed, uh, which is currently the problem. Just like Populous, which EA, thank you uh, for rebuilding Populous to run on a modern PC. Anyway, um, I I'm excited about it uh, from that perspective. Yeah, the 
The graphics look odd, but I feel that way about everything in Minecraft. I, they all feel odd to me. Um, and so this doesn't feel any odder than normal. Um, and I apologize. It wasn't dungeons. It was story mode that was Telltale Games. Apologize. Right. Um, but Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, a couple things. One, it wasn't spo- wasn't supposed to be part of the presentation. It wasn't one of the four games that they said they were going to talk about. It was the Scratch It Out fifth game. Um, and it launched a couple hours after the Direct. The studio managed to build, test, and release a game without anybody knowing. <laughs> and it's not a tiny game. Like, it's a serious AAA title. They managed to do the entire thing without anybody knowing until about three hours before the Direct happened, when the first leak came out. Which, massively impressive uh, in my book. Um, I have not had a chance to play it yet. Yes, it's out there. Yes, it's been out there since like Wednesday. Um, but unfortunately, my life is owned by CES until all all the videos are published. So I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to play it for a while, but it looks fascinating. Plus, uh, GoldenEye came out for Xbox this week, unrelated to this. But <laughs> my... So I get I guess it's not unrelated to this, right? It's not part of the direct, but it is related because that's another weird game. It was a Nintendo 64 title, which was an odd choice for a launch partner because it didn't really make sense on the Nintendo 64. And a couple of months ago, there was a code leak that there was an Xbox 360 version that was complete and they scrapped it. Because uh, I guess the studio was about to go belly up or something. So the game ended up getting scrapped. The software was complete. The game was done. And they didn't release it. Because um, I, th- I, I think it was the studio went belly up. Everybody got fired. The studio shut down. The game never came out. The code somehow leaked online as a fully compilable and runnable game. And people got excited. And I guess they went back to the drawing board and said, hey, Microsoft, we'd like to bring this out, and Microsoft paid to finish it. <laughs> and so it came out on on the One and the XS. <laughs> A million years later. I still don't understand why people love that game so much. I guess I just don't get it. <laughs> um, For its time, it was weirdly unique. And there's a nostalgia factor to it. Okay. I, I, I just, like, I tried playing it once, and I, I, I didn't play it at the time it was out. I played it mm-hmm. recently. I was, like, a few couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. So I guess this was good for the day. I don't know why people yeah. are so excited what, about it. What, one of my favorite commentators likes to say that nostalgia is history after a few beers. <laughs> and there's probably a lot of that involved here. Um I have obviously I haven't gotten a chance to play that either, um, but I'm gonna. Both <laughs> uh. both games are on Game Pass too. On top of it all, both games are on Game Pass, which I think kind of seals the deal on Game Pass for me. Um, that it's still a great deal. I know 
for a, in 2022, it was not. There was a lot of question about, because Microsoft wasn't coming out with anything. Nothing, it was old stuff that was going to Game Pass for the most part, because there were no first-party exciting titles. There were no third-party exciting exclusives. So there just wasn't a whole lot going to Game Pass. But those five plus, plus Goldeneye, I'm in. <laughs> Makes it a great deal for me again. And like, uh, for me to have three games like stacked up in my queue that I'm excited about. Oh, and then the the Red Wave. Nope. Redville. Nope. I don't remember the name of the game. It starts with Red. It's Left 4 Dead with Vampires. I'm excited about that one too. You know me. How often do I have a stack of games like this that I'm actually excited to play? I can't remember the that last often. time. That often. Yeah. I. My brother might have still been on the show. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> John was on the show for sure. I We're going back <laughs> a long time, which we're about to do again in the next segment, which I'm excited about. But, I mean, we're going back quite a ways. Um since I've been excited about this many games at once. So congratulations. This, uh, this developer direct did it for me. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my current take <laughs> on, on the, the state of Xbox. 2022 was a disaster, but 2023 looks like, uh, they've figured it out. Yep. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, plus it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, spyware, and a whole lot more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. To learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. I've got an update on a story we first talked about a decade ago. <laughs> Other than the Google and Oracle story, I don't know that we've ever been able to do this before. So I'm pretty excited about this because um, the organization is insane. Uh, if you've never heard of Prenda Law, count yourself lucky. Uh, the organization purports to be a law firm, though it's more akin to the mafia. What they, what they did was they went out and they purchased the legal rights to, we'll call it adult-oriented content. And then they'd go on sites like the Pirate Bay and upload a torrent, or they'd go on to, you know, at one point in history, they'd go on to something like LimeWire, and they'd make the content that they had just purchased available for download. Then they'd sit back and wait for people to start downloading it. They'd grab the IP addresses of the people that connected to uh, to their torrents. They'd uh, reverse lookup and then file lawsuits against the people who downloaded it 
for uh, copyright infringement. So, if they had just done that, they might, might have gotten away with it. But they made a couple of big mistakes. First, they would send a letter. And the letter would basically say, you've been sued, but the, uh, the copyright holder is willing to settle. Uh-oh. Turns out you can't do that. That's extortion. Uh, <laughs> um, and they sent it in a letter, which gets the mail involved. Which is mail fraud. Uh. <laughs> Plus, they would ask people to wire them the money for the extortion payments. Wire fraud. So, <laughs> we, we tracked this from the first charge, which was in 2013. Um, it happened over a, a series of time. They were charged, I think, in 2014... In 2019, um, at least two of the three. The the third one, Paul Duffy, is a name that seems to have just vanished into history. The only uh, place I found his name today in regards to Prenda Law was in our articles. So <laughs> I don't know what his fate was. But I do know that the two primaries, um, uh, John Steele and Paul Hansmeyer... Uh, are both in prison. They both went to jail in uh, 2019. They have had... Well, Steele said, I'm guilty, you're right, whoop! <laughs> Let's go. Um, and he is in for five years on just the wire fraud and the mail fraud. Um, Hans Meyer appeared to be the ringleader of this crazy extortion scheme, even though Steele was the founder of the organization. Um, and he went away for 14 years because his included the extortion charges. Um, now, that's our history. Where are we today? Hans Meyer wants to get the scheme going again. <laughs> From prison. Oh, good. He has asked a judge for an injunction against the federal government to prevent them from enforcing three laws. A wire fraud law, a mail fraud law, and an extortion law that prevents him essentially from practicing law of any kind and engaging in any of the activity that he's in jail for. In this case, copyright infringement lawsuits. He wants an injunction to prevent the federal government from enforcing those laws. <laughs> Why? Because he wants to hire a private investigator to start filing copyright lawsuits again. <laughs> from prison! Well, which he is so in for fraud. <laughs> Yes, but <laughs> it's what I I have a question though. So if he if he did what he was doing 
but he had hired a process server to serve people with the lawsuits. Would that have been legal? It's a very good question. We're not entirely sure. Um, so, so in fairness, process servers were involved because because the lawsuits were legally filed. It's not like they were sending letters that said, we will sue you if you don't settle. That's that's uh, above extortion. That's a particular level of legal malpractice. I can't remember the term, but like that's a whole other thing um, that you get disbarred for basically immediately. Um, they were legally filing the suits, waiting for the things to be served, and then sending the letter. It seems like the letter is where everything went sideways for them. If they had, because it showed that they weren't actually serious about the suit, the suit was used as a threat so that they could get the the settlement. Um, which How is this also different is than not the recording legal. industry? What's that? How is this different than the RIAA suing people for file sharing? Yeah, so what Rio was doing was slightly different. They weren't actually posting the content. They weren't doing the entrapment aspect of it. Um, they were uh, tracking existing torrents, um, which was, or other P2P things. They weren't actually initiating, in this case, the torrent. Um, they could download the content that was being illegally shared and then track it, but they weren't putting the content out there in the first place. That was the, like, that was the whole beginning problem. In 2013, the problem came down to that it was essentially a legal entrapment scheme to extort people as opposed to tracking an existing uh, copyright infringement thing that there was a, like a weird line um, they got in so trouble if they just waited for somebody else to do it right if they just waited for somebody else to infringe then they then everything they did then what they did would have been okay they still couldn't have sent the letters right okay. they could have filed so the suit they, if they had just not sent the letters n probably nobody would be in prison today it was right. in the end it was the letters that got them in trouble right cuz i'm just saying like it sounds this sounds a lot like I mean it sounds like they were trying to make what happened with a with the Rhea mm -hmm. with Rhea happen. Mm -hmm. They they just didn't they, they just, just didn't want to wait it. for for someone to do it to them. Mm -hmm. Uh which maybe, you know, maybe the given what they owned, maybe it wasn't gonna happen as much yeah. or as easily or as frequently as say any song in the world. Right. Uh so they had to, but yeah, like and a lot not, of, and, uh, and Rhea, Rhea didn't own the content. They represented the people who did. So they had a larger catalog to attack on as opposed to yes. these guys who were, I think they were buying the content from porn studios that were going out of business. Like, I, right. I think that's what they were acquiring. I'm not. Again, it's been a decade. The details are a little fuzzy in my head. They saw this, as, they saw this as a business model. Yes. They saw this as a business model. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. So, which is different than RIA, which is an organization whose existence is to protect IP of other people. Right. This right. organization saw a business model of buying and exploiting IP. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, you know, they're the they schemes saw are this very like, similar. Hey. Yeah, it just it just seems like, you know, this is kind of the seedy side of what uh-huh. of what uh Rhea was doing. Granted, you know, if you didn't illegally download the stuff, you wouldn't be in trouble. Right. And and in fairness, um the the suits themselves, again, were legal and filed. Um but it basically <laughs> They basically were trying not to go to court, go to court. They were trying to avoid that aspect of it, possibly because they'd have been found out. Um, there was some, I don't remember if it was three or 30 uh, million dollars that was handed over uh, as part of this scheme, which all in settlement, uh, which is impressive. But I think the first time it went to court, I think somebody said, no, let's do this. And I think that's when things started to go sideways for him. Because I think they presented the letter in court. And that was like that was where things really went sideways. Because this has been happening for a couple of years. And basically everybody just settled. And then they ended up, somebody's like, no, let's take this to court. I'm ready. <laughs> but... I mean, people did get in trouble for uh, a little bit for the the copyright stuff because they were illegally downloading and sharing content uh, in the end because they ended up the court ended up with the roster of of victims. But in general, they just went, "Well, you're already victims of this. I think that's probably good enough." But I, it's a fascinating story. I cannot believe that he's either the hubris or the insanity. I don't know which it is. I don't know the guy personally, um, but it's either hubris or insanity to, to say to the court, I I know why I'm in prison for 14 years. However, I'd kind of like to do it again. Can I? <laughs> I mean, if he does, if he does it, if he doesn't do, do it through the mail, then I guess he probably... Yeah, he. I mean, chances are he was going to try and do it all above board this time, but he's prevented from doing so by three separate federal laws. Yeah. Obviously, obviously the petition was shot down in just a matter of days. The court looked at the thing and went, <laughs> I know you, get out. And that was that was the end of it. Um, but it is fascinating that, that like these idiots keep like bubbling up every once in a while. Like, Hey, don't forget, we're still crazy. And then they get shot down and a couple of years later, they'll pop up again. Um, steel will be out of prison in uh, like two years. So who knows what happens? Oh, who knows what happens at that point? I suppose we'll have to wait and see.
This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live Refreshing Technology is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that you get free shipping on millions of products with Amazon Prime, but you get a whole lot more. Like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, plus a whole lot more. We've got links to all of these features and some of our favorites, plus a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So this is an important topic and one that's a little different than what we usually talk about uh, in the DRM Not Included segment, um, because we don't often get into weird legal things here. Uh, we usually leave that for... Uh, news from the tubes where we talk about copyright trolls, but uh, th- this particular one is a is a serious one that seems that the serious nature of it seems to be uh, being ignored right now because of some fanboying. So, if you have not heard, everybody has severed ties with uh, Justin Roiland, one of the. Uh, co-creators of Rick and Morty, one of the co-creators of Solar Opposites, and one of the co-founders of Squanch Games that just last month released High on Life. Um, He's also the voice actor for Rick and Morty for the main character in High on Life, one of the main characters on Solar Opposites, and except for Morty, all of them sound like Rick. Um... Everybody has severed ties because a couple of years ago, he was charged with domestic abuse and um, not kidnapping. What's the other one? False imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, and or deceit. Um, The accusation and the charges were filed by an anonymous Jane Doe. We don't know who it is um, for good reason. Um Famous person, you know, lot, lots of sway. Makes sense. Um, this hap- The incident happened in January of 2020. The charges were filed in, I think, May of 2020. Um, but things are just coming to a head now, which, first of all, I find both fascinating and uh, worrisome. Uh, because there have been, uh, pretrial hearings and things previously. It's not like the case is just now getting started. People are just finding out about it. He's been in court. The information's been available. Um, but Adult Swim announced on, I think, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday night, uh, that they were severing ties, um, Almost immediately after Squanch Games announced that he had um, uh, resigned from the studio that he co-created the week before. And then uh, Hulu said that they were severing ties. Adult Swim said that Rick and Morty will go on, that the voice actor uh, the voice actor will be replaced, probably with two different ones. Um, uh, Squanch Games basically said, so long, good riddance. And uh, Hulu has not said exactly what's going to happen with Solar Opposites. 
uh, going forward. So far, most of the attention seems to be paid to what the future of Rick and Morty is going to be. And is the show over? Can it go on with without him? Yes. And who cares? That's not the important part of what's happening here. Um, the, the fact that these charges were filed a while ago, the case is coming up into trial several months from now, and all of this seems to stem from the fact that he resigned from Squanch, and then ties were severed by the other guys. Um, it leaves questions, and the internet has some possible answers. And those answers aren't great because there are other accusations out there pending, including that he was communicating inappropriately with underage girls via Twitter. Um, normally, I ignore this stuff um, because it's uh, a rumor, right? But these women have receipts, uh, which makes it a little more, a little more believable. Um, they've got uh, Twitter chat histories and things like that. Um, the the girl who was underage at the time, uh, he mentioned that she was going to inevitably going to be a, a cam girl when she turned eighteen. He called her some names, which on a family-friendly show, I will not say. Um, and... What was he? Oh, he referred to her as jailbait. Um, suggesting that he absolutely knew that she was underage. Not great. Um, he also communicated with a woman, a young woman, uh, adult at the time, but young, um... A musician on uh, YouTube who had done a concept album about Rick and Morty. And she was so disgusted with what happened that she stopped watching the show that she did an album about. Because she couldn't listen to his voice anymore. Um, I feel like maybe everybody's trying to get ahead of this. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what they're trying to get ahead of, but I think the criminal charges are probably bad enough. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but does there have to be another shoot a drop? But if the criminal charges are enough, why didn't it happen in May of 2020? Because I guess they weren't or they, people didn't know about them. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe it's because the, the trial's coming up and there's been more attention paid to to yeah. what happened publicly. And so maybe they're just trying to get ahead of that and maybe these these are shoes that they don't know about or weren't expecting. I think the real issue that you're getting, that we're getting at with this, is the difficulty for brands mm -hmm. to decide when to cut ties with someone yeah. who is accused... Of something. of something of something right like what's the point if, because you know there's a lot of of there's a lot right so like if someone's accused of something uh you know you want to be fair in terms of innocent until proven guilty mm -hmm. you also probably are thinking like the brands are probably thinking like 
this person's valuable. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to cut ties if we don't have right. to cut ties. And when when They're, do they go from being a commodity to a liability? Right. So I mean, like if you're whoever this you know whatever company is, they're probably sitting there like, well, we don't know yet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sports maybe, teams are in the same. Maybe they were waiting for the pre-trial stuff where right. maybe he was going to be exonerated or the charges could have been dropped or something like that in a in some sort of a pre-trial process. Maybe they were waiting for that to happen or not before making a decision. Right, because. You know, there are people who have been accused of stuff and then it just kind of goes away. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we Rob don't Lowe. know whether uh, Rob Lowe. Well, um, what's her name? Uh, who was just recently sued? Tiffany Haddish. So did you did you see that whole thing where Tiffany Haddish was sued by somebody uh, for... There was a child sex sex abuse suit against her in September, uh, but then oh, like yeah, I, I think I did see they that. just then they just like whoever it was, the person suing it said suing her said oh this is just a misunderstanding and they withdrew their suit. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I remember this. I, but you're right. It kind of went away. I had forgotten about it. So it kind of went away. So I think that she's like, okay to do whatever, right? Because someone was suing her and never got to trial. You know, we don't, you know, we don't know if there was any real merit to any of this. But over now, uh, so you just don't know. On the other hand, yeah. You have a situation like, um, I don't know if you follow baseball much, but uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers had a pitcher named Trevor Bauer who was accused of domestic, was accused of sexual assault, but not, but not charged. Uh, He was not arrested or charged, but they did. um, But they, but nevertheless, Major League Baseball uh, suspended him for like a year and then the Dodgers cut ties with him. So like, so it seems, so, Mm -hmm. and so the question was, so like there is one where, you know, there was, there was some embarrassing evidence that he did this or whatever, but he was not charged, but it was, I guess it didn't rise to the level of that. They could, he could be charged with a crime, but he was dismissed. He was dismissed. Right, suspended, dismissed. Yeah. Um, so, and then you know, so I think these like there's a lot of different things going on here. So then, yeah. like Tiffany Haddish is sued for something, but the person dropped the lawsuit, so now it's over. Uh, I guess Michael Douglas uh, was, I think, during Me Too stuff, uh, the height of Me Too, was accused of some things. Uh, but it doesn't seem to have had a real negative effect on his career. Uh, he's still in Ant Man, right? Um, right? So, so it's I guess it's hard to say. Like Kevin Spacey, what gets? Well, he's he's really done, right? Like he he 
he even though even though he won the court case. Yeah, but he's been he it, he did so much other stuff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right, he he was done with, like he he, but but right, like he, he was hanging on by so, a thread, and uh, uh, Anthony Rapp cut that thread. <laughs> I mean, but the, the the point is right. So brands have to. I I, I don't like envy any of these brands or decision. No. Because right? it's it's, it's treacherous water to tread. It's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing because we we as a society believe in innocent until proven guilty, but at the same time, and some of these things aren't even really crime. Are some of these things are civil suit, not not crime, right. not not like you know, not uh, being convicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and then you know you have the case of uh, was it the Cleveland Browns who had that quarterback who like was settled like 26 sexual uh, harassment lawsuits or something Oof. and he got us and they signed him to a new deal he got like a small sure. he got a small and these were supposed to be like kind of he kind of was accused of kind of assaulting some massage people or whatever like oh yeah, yeah. uh and, and and there and they cleveland and he got a suspension but the football team was like, "That's okay. We'll live with the suspension. We're signing him to a new contract because we yep. can win football games." So, you in know, fairness, the NFL is pretty, pretty notorious for that. Yeah, the NFL is a really bad record in terms of, but it seems to depend on on depend on how well you can win football games because true, like they've had others where I forget the name of the guy who like was caught on video. Um, you know, hitting his hitting his girlfriend in an elevator a few years ago, and he was he was gone he was gone forever, right? Okay. But you know, others who are like Ben Roethlisberger or others who've done like been found have done all kind of stuff, like or accused of doing all kind of stuff, still get to yeah, still get to play. So like because it's it's that it, commodity versus liability line, I guess. So. You know, it's, um, I don't know, maybe the bar is lower, the bar for behavior is lower in sports, maybe, uh, than it is in entertainment. Uh, but, you know, maybe they, I mean, here's another, here's another one we could talk about as, uh, as yeah. Miller. Yeah. Right. Uh, they, uh, have been accused, have been arrested for many crimes. Yeah. Uh, and, some and of the them, flash is some of them weird, and the flash is still coming out. Yep, uh, you know, uh, the flash is still coming out. Uh, DC invested a lot of money in that, so they made Ezra go, they made Miller go to a bunch of uh, I don't know, some kind of rehab or something to, I guess, maybe try and improve their image. Like, look, they're, they're they have a problem, they're trying to get better, but. You know, that's that's a classic. You know, uh-huh. oh, I'm gonna. Someone has a problem. It's done Lu- something bad. Then they're gonna go to some kind of rehab, luxury resort stay, and you come back and go, I'm better. False. Right, but I mean, like I've seen people go to rehab. Like, wasn't there someone on Grey's Anatomy who went to rehab for saying homophobic slurs? Like, you don't yeah. go to rehab for that. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, so. So, 
it just you know these brands are in, these brands are in a difficult position yeah uh, i do feel some I, I do feel some sympathy for their position because they have to balance like being kind of fair and not uh terminating someone without due process uh with like trying to maintain a good public image with uh having someone who's valuable yeah right uh so i you know i don't know uh, I think, I think they have to be seen as parting ways with mm-hmm. him. Yeah, uh, and, and and doing so publicly. And doing so publicly, if which all is why kind of go. Which is why when Adult Swim made the announcement, Squanch came out shortly after and said, "Oh, he resigned from us last week." Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> I would not be, I mean, I'm sorry to say that if he is found, you know, it found is exonerated or just found not guilty or the charges are dropped and some of these other things, shoes that are dropping don't turn out to be uh, very serious or he apologizes or he goes to rehab or something, he might be invited back, you know, Uh, but right now, they have right now they have to make a point of, yeah. of separating from him now what every time i hear about a story like this i think about like what if you are a company that is signing up for someone's i don't know uh brand or personality are you going to have to are they going to have to start doing more research into the private lives of uh, people they associate with so that they don't embarrass the brand. Like think about just the amount of times there's been somebody that you like, oh man, this person was really essential to this, I don't know, to this brand, to this product or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh-oh, it turns out that they were real, that they've been a sleaze bag all, all along, right? Yeah. Or, uh, because not everybody can pull a house of cards. Right. Yeah, I mean, but that, like, that, that was an impressive pivot, to be perfectly honest. They did they did a good job with that one. But not everything can pull that off. And so the, the question that's been raised is, can Rick and Morty do it? Right? Uh, He's executive producer. Um, uh, I think I think he ran the writer's room. Uh, and was the voice of Rick and Morty. And yes, of course it can go on. Because I think Dan Harmon has been the one who's actually been controlling the thing. And I've got friends that can do those voices as good as <laughs> as Roy yeah. can. So I, I, think, I think these properties can go on without him. Um, they're animated, which makes it easier, right? Yes. Um, yes. Cause there's no, there's no face to have to replace. You don't, you know, you don't have um, the, the, the ant on fresh prints who yep. pe- people just, everybody hated and they just replaced her. Right. <laughs> it's, yep. it's, it's more like Meg on family guy where everybody hated her 
and they just replaced her and kept moving. Everything's been fine ever since. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think that property will be fine. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but there are, but there are other circumstances where it does make it does make a situation difficult when you yeah uh, you know it it like a lot of people really liked Joss Whedon and uh, after all the details that came out about him it's kind of it it's kind of poison kind of taints everything he's touched it's taints all the things that he touched right so which is a lot you know. Which is a lot, so you know. Probably, I I know there have been people who like really liked Buffy, and they're like, eh, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I've been a fool, maybe I've been fooled this whole time. So, yeah, it's the, it's there, tough. There, there's a conversation that comes up in music, and seems to be ignored in all other media forms, and and the topic is, you know, separating the artist from the art. And and your attachment to things before you knew and after you knew, right? Yeah. And and whether or not, or if the thing happened later, right? This seems like all of this stuff happened twenty twenty and beyond. There's there don't appear to be any accusations before that, so. Does that taint the stuff before that too? Right? There's all this all this weirdness around, you know, artist versus art. Can you can you listen to to Chris Brown's music, you know? Can you listen to R. Kelly, right? There's there's all these and with music yeah. people tend to go back to those artists um even after. So, you know, it's it's an interesting topic. The whole thing yeah. is fascinating. I think I think all three organizations, well, both organizations, Hulu and Adult Swim responded correctly. Obviously, Squanch was on the the receiving end of that one, uh, which is a little different. Um, but I, I think they made the right the right move. Right, I think they're, he's about to be a huge liability. There was no way that this story was going to stay as quiet as it's been um, all this time. It was gonna, it was gonna hit hard, um, and they needed to force push, right? Get away <laughs> before yeah. before everything went totally sideways on them. So, um, and I think knowing that the organizations. And the production companies, right, made the right decision when they knew what was happening, when when the, the time was right, they backed away. I think that I think that probably protects the IP, at least I mean we'll we'll see. But I think that probably protects the IP in my book. His NFTs are probably worth less. <laughs> sure. Sure. Anything Anything that has his name on it specifically is probably worth worth less. But yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out and uh, how season seven of Rick and Morty goes. Um, honestly, it's Adult Swim. I hope they don't just hire Tracy Morgan <laughs> the way they <laughs> did with uh, the Squidbillies because that was weird. 
Uh, but hopefully they will they will hire uh, sound alikes like we're hoping that Fox will do for um, uh, Bob's Burgers with uh, Jimmy Pesto since he's been fired. Hopefully we'll have a sound alike there. Hopefully we'll have sound alike here. There'll be a continuity and uh, everything will be fine. Well, that is our show. It was good to be back uh, in the new year. I know we hit a longer a longer show than normal and we hit a couple of serious topics tonight, but, you know, you never know how the show's going to go. Uh, for those yeah. of you who joined us live, we definitely really appreciate it. Uh, we've had number of people uh, in the chat room uh, tonight watching live. We appreciate it. If you didn't join us live and you'd like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay too. Pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows. F5 Live, Pilch Point, Pluckets Live Presents, and a whole bunch more. And all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. In that, of course, is still a ton of CES content. Um, like I said, at the top of the show, we did, uh, my current estimate is 130 interviews total, uh, including the National Technology Day. If you didn't see it, we teamed up with the National Day Calendar, our good friend's National Day Calendar, um, because the second day of CES was National Technology Day. And so uh, we did a big National Technology Day broadcast uh, from our tower, which was really cool. Uh, that stuff is coming in the next couple days. Very excited about that. Uh, so definitely check that out. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we'll see you back next time. Ciao.